there's evidence that shows that with different lifestyle interventions, you can help reduce your risk of cognitive decline. Also, what's good for the heart is also good for the brain. Hmm. Um, And there's a very close relationship between brain health and heart health. Welcome to Aging in Style, the podcast dedicated to celebrating aging and what it takes to do it well. I'm Lori Williams. I'm a certified senior advisor and senior housing expert. In each episode, you'll learn stories of older adults who are thriving in their 70s, 80s, 90s, and in some cases, in their hundreds. Whether you're an older adult or the child of an older adult, this podcast is filled with insightful resources, organizations that are doing incredible work, and stories that will inspire you to volunteer, learn, and who knows, maybe even skydive in your golden years. Hi, welcome to today's episode of Aging in Style. We are talking today with Megan Rowe with the Alzheimer's Association, Dallas and Northeast Texas chapter. And what better topic than this one, 10 Ways to Love Your Brain. That's so important, especially starting a new year as we are. So let's greet Megan. Thank you for being back with us and help us learn how to love our brains. Yes, thank you, Lori. It's so great to be here as always. I appreciate this topic, especially because we always hear about like heart health and starting off the new year right and and doing all these different things. But do we ever really think about things we could do for our brain health? That's something that the Alzheimer's Association focuses on too, because there's evidence that shows that with different lifestyle interventions, you can help reduce your risk of cognitive decline. Also, and I think we've talked about this in a previous podcast, but what's good for the heart is also good for the brain. Hmm. Um, And there's a very close relationship between brain health and heart health. Have you heard that before? You know what? I I don't know if I have, but that's that's really good. And that's a good thing to kind of stick with you. If it's good for your heart, it's good for your brain. So I I like that. Yeah. So our blood and um, our vascular system helps provide what our brain needs is the fuel to live off our oxygen and those nutrients for your brain. And so the Alzheimer's Association, through this evidence that I was speaking of, has developed 10 simple suggestions for supporting brain health. And, And one of the biggest things is breaking a sweat. So engaging in regular cardiovascular, there's that cardiovascular again, exercise that elevates your heart rate and increases blood flow to the brain and body. Several studies have shown that an association between that physical activity can really reduce that risk of cognitive decline. And, you know, exercise comes up all the time and it is good for so many things. I mean, just for our body, for our mental well-being. And I don't know why so many of us kind of fight it because I am one of those. <laughs> because we're busy and we're, you know, you have to build time for it. But sometimes it's if worth you can build it, though. It, it, is. it is. And you can do simple things in your life to increase that. Like, you know, maybe don't park at those closest parking spot. Um at the store or using the stairs instead of an elevator or committing to take free your dog for a walk around the neighborhood mm-hmm. every day as opposed to using your yard, for example. So there's some little things you can do to make adjustments to make sure you're getting a little bit more motion in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, last night I was coming back from the grocery and I was coming back a different way and I saw a friend of mine and it was really cold last night and she didn't have a jacket on and she's walking and I thought, oh my gosh, her car must have broke down or something. And I pulled over and I said, hey, what are you doing? Are you okay? Because I mean, she had no jacket on. She's like, 
Yeah, I just had to run to the store and get something I thought I would walk and get my steps in. I'm trying to get 10,000 steps a day. And I'm just like, okay. I'm like, good for her. We should all be doing that. But maybe wearing a coat. But if it's cold. Yes. No, that's a really, that was a great, that's funny that that happened last night. But that's a great option for increasing Mm -hmm. steps. So Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people love to have the bracelets or the like the Fitbits or the Apple Watches that track activity because it can sometimes, you know, the Apple Watch tells you it's time to stand up mm-hmm. or um, they do the little rings of closure on your activity for the day or monitor yeah. your steps so that you can get that that goal that you would like. And, you know, you mm-hmm. don't have to do 10,000 at first, but maybe start with seeing what your average is, your baseline and try to increase that slowly to mm-hmm. get to that to 10,000 steps. Yeah. And it is, like you said, it's a great way to kind of monitor that and show that you are moving. And it does, it does tell you to get up. A, a lot of times I ignored mine, though. <laughs> I know because sometimes you're like really in the middle of something. You're like, okay, I need to make sure I'm, but at least it yeah, reminds you. It does and, remind you and it reminds you to breathe too, which is also important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the next one we have here is hit the books. Uh, formal education at any stage of life can really help reduce your risk of cognitive decline and dementia. For example, taking a class at a local college, a lot of community colleges, at least they used to back in the day. I don't know if they still do, but you might want to check have um, free or reduced costs for seniors to take classes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and this isn't just like challenging your brain, but uh, by things you're familiar with, like say you're a bridge player and you know the ins and out of bridge, that's not going to challenge you as much as maybe trying to learn something brand new. So and your brain language. still has, mm-hmm. yeah, like your brain still has the ability to um, find new pathways of learning and stuff. So when you find something very challenging, whether that's reading different books, trying to learn another language, or maybe doing math puzzles that are really hard for you because you're just not a math person yeah. like me. Yeah, um, me that can really kind of exercise the activity in your brain to find those solutions. So hitting the yeah. books is highly recommended and it's never too late to try to try something new. Yeah. And check out your local senior centers because they offer so many different, you know, different opportunities for learning. So, and even like going out to different museums and things together, but, but there's also, and I think this is everywhere, not just here, but there's the Ollie program, which I know the Ollie program here, it works with University of North Texas, and they have classes that they actually come to the senior center and you do classes on different things. It could be history. It could be, um, I mean, just all kinds of different, you know, options. So that's something to check into as well. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be necessarily a historical topic or something that maybe like find something that you mm-hmm. have a little interest in, but maybe yeah. don't know much about. I know genealogy can be really mm-hmm. interesting um, yeah, for a lot is. of folks that dig into that and seeing where your family's from and knowing, like discovering how to do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe try learning to play the piano if you've never played the piano. That's another creative type of learning that you can introduce into your life. It might be kind of fun to learn chopsticks or something. Yeah, Absolutely. So the next one is kind of an obvious one, um, and we've heard about it for years, but smoking can reduce cognitive decline. So quitting smoking can help reduce that risk to levels comparable to those who have never smoked. So cutting out the smoking is really critical to promote brain health. And your health, lung, and everything else. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not just good for your brain, but from all those different angles too. Mm-hmm. Uh, following your hearts. So this is, uh, you know, we have like silly little titles for it, but just to kind of resonate with you, but keeping your heart healthy. Evidence shows that uh, risk factors for cardiovascular disease and stroke 
obesity, high blood pressure and diabetes negatively impact your cognitive health. So again, what's good for your heart is good for your brain. And it's really important to take care of your heart. They really go hand in hand. It's what makes our body work. So it's important not to forget that cardiovascular health on top of the brain health. So our next one is going to be heads up. Brain injury can raise your risk of cognitive decline and dementia. So wearing a seatbelt, using a helmet when you're playing some kind of contact sports, or if you're riding a bike, not everyone wears a helmet when they ride a bicycle Mm -hmm. or a motorcycle. Yeah, Um, here in Texas, you don't have to wear a helmet, which always surprises me. (laughs) Yes. Any way you can protect your your head when you're doing these kind of activities is going to be important. We can't always prevent everything, but for those things that we can control, we can at least, you know, get a helmet for hear this all the time, like football players, whether they played, you know, college, high school, college, pro, whatever. There is significant research that shows that people who've had a lot of head injuries can develop some cognitive impairment. So what can someone do who's already had some head injuries, maybe from playing contact sports? Is there anything? Well, I think it's really important to work with your doctor. Of course, if you do have a a brain injury or some, you know, a history of concussions and things like that. Mm -hmm. Having these lifestyle interventions can help reduce the risk of further, you know, developing cognitive decline. So it's probably going to become a little bit more critical for um, those that might be affected of with dementia in earlier stages. Mm-hmm. So really um, adhere to all these suggestions. Yeah. Uh, with your doctor, of course, and your neurologist is going to be really important to create a treatment plan for yourself for your mm-hmm. long-term health. Yeah. Uh, you know, you made me think, yes, there are a lot of things that can come up with football and long-term injury to the brain, but also um, soccer. We don't think of soccer too much, but the headbutting yeah. can cause concussions and mm-hmm. concussions. You talk about multitudes of concussions over years. Um, you can really be impacted or, or reduce your, you know, that's going to heighten your risk for developing dementia later. Makes sense. So fuel up right uh, is our next one. So that goes back to nutrition, which is, I think one of our more obvious ones when we talk about diet and nutrition, eating a healthy balanced diet that's lower in fat and higher in vegetables and fruits that can help reduce the risk of um, cognitive decline. A lot of neurologists recommend um, the Mediterranean diet. There's one called the mind diet, the Mediterranean dash diet. So again, what's good for your heart is good for your mind. So we're talking about a lot of leafy greens, fresh fruits, reducing processed foods, nuts, um, those fresh foods that really nurture our bodies. Mm-hmm. And it can also help with diabetes and just your overall mm-hmm. weight, cholesterol, blood pressure, kind of everything, right? Sugar levels. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's something that's highly recommended. One of these next ones, I think that we don't necessarily always think too much about, and some people might, but our sleep health, like the the sleep, the quality of sleep we're getting, mm-hmm. not enough sleep due to conditions like insomnia or sleep apnea may result in problems with memory and thinking. Sleep apnea can actually cause lack of oxygen to the brain, and that is what our brain needs to properly function. So if you're having sleep apnea undiagnosed and you don't know it over the course of years, um, that can really impact the, the health of your brain. It's really important to, when they ask you about those sleep studies or if you're getting, if you're having those symptoms of maybe sleep apnea of waking abruptly and, you know, like you're like trying to catch air, mm-hmm. it might be work with your doctor. They have a lot of home studies you can do now. You don't even have to necessarily go to a clinic. They can- Oh, that's good. 
the stuff to take home with you to monitor what's going on while you sleep. Is it Um, beyond just snoring? I mean, the sleep apnea, because I mean, you hear, I mean, I snore, I'll be honest. So I'm told, I don't know, I actually do, but my family says I snore. (laughs) So is snoring alone an indicator of sleep apnea or there's other factors? No, like if I don't know all the symptoms, it's not my area of expertise, I'll say, but I know that it can cause momentary, like you stop breathing or you Mm -hmm. in short intervals. So people often wait almost gasping, just almost like they just came out of a bad dream or something. Oh, okay. Uh, Also really interrupt the quality of sleep because you're not getting the deep sleep if you're being abruptly woken by not breathing properly while you Mm -hmm. sleep. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So I think, you know, if there's, if your spouse notices Mm -hmm. things, as we sleep and we don't always remember what happens in the middle of the night, but um, it's something to talk about with your spouse. Maybe if you're mm-hmm. feeling like most of all the time not getting that quality sleep, you know, insomnia, there's a lot of people that suffer from insomnia or other sleep issues. And it's just really important to make sure you're getting adequate rest. Um, otherwise you're just not going to have the energy throughout the day. And then it's of course. Um, Having that effect on your brain as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So sleep is something I feel like we're starting to talk about a little bit more in the public space of health, but um, it is really important for our bodies. Another thing that's really important for us is not just our physical health, but our mental health. Some studies link a history of depression with increased risks of cognitive decline. So if you have symptoms of depression or anxiety or other mental health issues, it's really important to work um, and take care of your mental health and wellness. And Even if you don't have a diagnosis of those things, managing stress can impact sleep, our appetite, our ability to cope with things. And so that can have a negative impact on our overall health, um, from physical health to to our mental well-being. Mm -hmm. So mental health is really important to take care of as well, just as important as our physical health. And one of my favorites on this list is buddying up. Mm-hmm. So socializing with other people and maintaining connection with others is a really important part of being a human. And we do this throughout our whole lives and it's important for who we are. And it's so much easier to do all these healthy things when you have a partner mm-hmm. to go on that walk, to run to the store and take the stairs or to try a new class It is easier if you have a friend who says, hey, I want to go learn to knit and you go together and do it as friends. The other thing I think, you know, we've talked about this a lot that during COVID, when people were so isolated, we saw decline in people's, you know, mental well-being and more dementia, right? Didn't you see more cognitive decline when people were so isolated? There was more instances of deaths due to Alzheimer's during the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. Causation is not necessarily, we don't know the, the cause necessarily, but we can see what's going on in the environment mm-hmm. and kind of understand those relationships between being isolated, maybe the stress of it all, maybe the men, our mental well-being. I think it probably impacts a lot of things. I think so, so too. Need to be connected to other humans exists from the day we're born to the day mm-hmm. we pass away, and it is really um, does impact our our mental well being too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's if you don't know a lot of people in your area or your personal connections, you just don't have a big personal uh, network. 
of support. We do encourage folks that volunteer for things you love to do. If you love animals, consider volunteering at a local shelter. I know our friend Tanya out there <laughs> loves dogs. And not only does she volunteer with our seniors in the community, but she volunteers with all the puppy programs around town and shelters. So that's where we meet people. That's our or the other way, like if you like kids, like RSVP, which is a big one, the Rockin' Readers, which I think is so cute. I'm going to be a Rockin' Reader one day. You go to the elementary school and you read to the kids. I mean, how fun is that? Yeah, my dad does the buddy program. Um, so he will sit and um, help like kindergartners with their lunch at Aww. school. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't always open the packages and stuff, mm-hmm. but to meet other people or if you like to sing or you know maybe you like to teach exercise or join an exercise program you can do that with other people and meet people through that i you know you mentioned the senior center earlier i think that's a great way to meet new people mm-hmm. when you have similar hobbies in common you all can you'd be surprised yourself how social you can be once you find those groups of people that you can yeah. connect. And all areas, I think, or the majority of areas do have a senior center. Now, obviously, if you're in a big metropolitan area, you're going to have like these bigger, you know, fancier senior centers. But even in small towns, there are some senior centers as well that are doing something. So you know, there is a way to to connect pretty much, I think, wherever you are. Yeah, I mean, I could think of a senior center right now that's in a more rural area that is full of people daily mm-hmm. doing sorts of things from independent exercise to bridge to I mean bingo fills the room and it's super Mm -hmm. competitive and so that can be a fun way to just meet people but yeah yourself and just try something new what's what's the worst that could happen and a lot of those plus now not just you know 65 plus but a lot of the senior centers will do 50 and over yeah, I know ours here in the Flower Mound area is 50 plus. So so I joined. I'm a member. It's only $10 a year. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if they're all that inexpensive, but my goodness, for what you get, $10 a year, you know, I'm willing to support my senior center for sure. That's great. So yeah, I think a lot of places are moving to do 50 plus, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So the last one kind of relates to really taking new classes and stuff. It's stump yourself challenge your mind again not going back to those easy things that we already know or are familiar with like i love to play scrabble but i'm a horrible at math mm-hmm. or doing math related puzzles would be a good thing for my mind to do my well, husband maybe we should take algebra together <laughs> oh, so painful. No, I know. that hurts my brain to think about that <laughs> geometry <laughs> the class i never again Uh, But my husband's really good with math. Like he just comes up with it simply. So I would want him to try maybe something creative because he's not really like a pottery class. I don't know. I'm just kind of picking this up. (laughs) You know, um, people that say that they can't stand jigsaw puzzles because they lose our patience, that they can be hard. But I used to feel like I didn't like jigsaw puzzles because I I never felt like um, I was good at them. Mm -hmm. It can be kind of fun. You find all the... Someone, if you play with some other people that kind of know what they're doing, you know, you can learn the ways of putting those together. And it's so nice to be able to have a completed one. So I'll buy them randomly now mm-hmm. and just put them on my dining room table or wherever. Um, or if we go to out of town and we'll just work on it as we're available. And it's just an easy thing to put around. Yeah. Uh, also do other things that make you think strategically. Again, Bridge is a good example. Um, they have... You know, there's all sorts of bridge groups. I come back to bridge because it's one of the most complicated card games out there. 
and they have beginning levels and expert levels. So you can play with people that are also just learning. Um, and it might be fun. I don't know mm-hmm. if anybody games, but I got into Canasta a few years ago. I don't know if you've heard of Canasta, but it's I also complicated. Mm-hmm. And my friend's dad used to play it. And so that's how he learned. So now my husband and I play it with them and it's fun, but it's complicated. Like I have to refresh my mind every time we play because it's just has a lot of rules. Yeah. You know, the thing that's so popular now, it's not a card game, but pickleball. Oh my gosh. Pickleball is the thing. Mm-hmm. So let's pickleball. There's like, there's rules you have to follow. There, and you're moving your body, obviously. Moving your body. You're doing it socially usually, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In one game. You and might it's competitive. Even, it's competitive. So you might have some strategic moves in there. And this isn't on the list, but I kind of want to throw this one in here. Number 11, connect, like being outside and connecting to nature. If that's oh, outside, yes. I've been to some pickleball places that had outdoor pickleball and it's just a fun social activity. So connecting to nature, I think is really important too, because we don't necessarily think about, you know, walking to our car and getting that fresh air. We do it almost every day or, mm-hmm. But really just getting fresh air, the sun, the vitamin D. And you're so right, because we don't think about it. And we have this uh, dementia friendly where we're doing these nature walks. And I'm just, you know, I'm always busy. And I just don't, I'm not an outdoorsy type of girl. But I started going on these nature walks and the parks around my area that I did not even know about. Absolutely beautiful. And just it brings you just the peace to be out there in nature. You're surrounded by the trees. And I think they even call it like a tree shower when you're out there. Just all this is so good for you mentally and in every way. So um, I I see the value in that. And I'm so thankful I've been able to go on these dementia-friendly walks. And I need to start taking my little dog, my, my little dog, my big dog out on walks to some of these parks. Yeah, I think there's a lot of discovery to be found mm-hmm. when you go on nature. Walks. I'm glad you brought that up because you're you're right. You see, you see things in the parks that you that are close by that maybe you've never explored. Mm-hmm. I have a friend on Facebook who will do a daily walk and she'll post a photo of some discovery she's found every time. Oh, fun and to do socially too. And what you mentioned just reminded me: is it really allows us to slow down in a busy world mm-hmm. moment for ourselves to get that physical activity, maybe to connect to others or nature or both mm-hmm. and sound and have that a different pace for our very busy lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a good routine to set for yourself if you can um, to include nature in your overall being. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And you find new areas of, you know, where you live that you didn't even know existed. You're busy driving your normal path and you don't realize that there's all these beautiful like paths off the you know off the beaten path basically that you don't know about and oh my gosh this beauty is five minutes away I had no clue. <laughs> yeah, so those are that's really it. Um, of course, the nature one I just kind of threw that one in there, so it's not any it's not related to any kind of evidence based information, but mm-hmm. I, I do. But overall well being. Yeah, it could go go back to stress relief. So. Yes. The top 10 ways to love your brain, the association provides more information on brain health. That's something that um, the listeners would like to learn about. We can share that website with you. Okay. And also we have um, an app too that keeps people updated on the latest research when it comes to dementia and Alzheimer's. 
Because, right? you know, research is really going on across the globe at this point to not only find a cure, but to find a prevention method. So we can share that too. With, oh, please uh, do. Yeah. Yeah. Send you a little alert on your phone anytime there's a new press release about an update or anything like that. Cool. Okay. I need to add that on my phone. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on and helping us start the new year right. And, you know, I would love to know what people are going to do, take from this list, you know, hopefully something from each thing we listed or Megan listed, but what are you going to do to just improve it? And if it's just one thing, are you going to walk a little more, you know, are you going to eat a little better, whatever it is, just start off with one thing at least and, and let us know what you decide to try. I'm going to, I'm going to let you know what I try too. So thank you again, Megan. We appreciate you taking time each month to be on the podcast and share all of your knowledge with our listeners. Thank you. It's always great to be here, Lori. Right. Well, we will see you next month and in February. Oh, my gosh. Well, with Megan, but we'll be back here next week. So be sure to tune in. And as always, thank you for listening. And please share the podcast with your friends, your families, your neighbors, and just with everyone. This is information that's good for for everyone out there. And we want to share it. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. 